Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Well, I am not Terry Wickstrom. This is Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom this weekend. And we have had a great first part of the show. If you're tuning in during the normal hours, we actually started an hour earlier. So um, some of these segments or all the segments will be up here soon on the website. So take a listen to those. But we want to get started right now. We've got someone calling in from Wyoming who runs the Wyoming Walleye Stampede and is kind of a Western walleye expert. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brad. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great this morning. So how is the weather up there in Wyoming today? Well, you may be surprised, but it's windy. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that goes without saying when it comes to Wyoming. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise it's uh, pretty nice. A little bit of a break from the last week. Well, Well, that is good to hear. Now, we are getting to that season where we're going to start to be losing ice and um, people are thinking about open water fishing and also fishing tournaments. And you run what I would consider to be one of the premier circuits in the country up there in Wyoming, the Wyoming walleye stampede. Can you give us a little bit of information about that? Sure, Brad. I appreciate that. Um, That's a nice compliment. We, uh, we started the uh, stampede back in 2009 with just a single event and uh, hosted 93 boats and had such great response that uh, we kind of expanded it from there. We now run uh, three regular season tournaments, followed by a championship that hosts our top 50 teams based on point placements. And uh, it's just been, it's been fantastic. It's, um, we're averaging about 95 to 98 boats a tournament. We run two events this year at Glendo, we run our third event at Pathfinder Reservoir, which is just outside of uh, town from Casper. And then we're running our championship up at Boysen uh, Reservoir in uh, the Riverton area. And those are all great walleye fisheries up there. If someone wanted to, you know, think about entering one of these tournaments, how much does it cost? You know, what experience level um a little bit about what the the whole experience of the tournament is so that, you know, someone might uh, might get a little more information and feel comfortable about uh, going up there and fishing one. Well, absolutely. It's, um, it's definitely um, open to all age levels, to all experience levels. Um, we've got people that fish with their young kids. We have, you know, people that fish with – uh, their partners that are, we had one gentleman with us that was uh, 83 years old that was fishing. Um, that wasn't Charlie Black, uh, was it? No, that was not Charlie Black. Okay. So he, he's, he's not quite 80 yet. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, it's, um, it sometimes seems a little overwhelming uh, when you go fish something like that. where it's. Um, but we, we try to keep things very well organized for you. Uh, the process, you know, the uh, camaraderie with the anglers is is fantastic i mean if you they may not necessarily give you your the their honey hole where they're fishing at but in terms of like you know where to camp uh you know how to get in contact with me um you know there's there's so much that a person can learn and 
really, I mean, that's that's kind of what it's about. And I, I attribute it a lot to, like, elk hunting, especially when you're diagnosing a lake. You know, you kind of look at that like a mountain range. You know, you know they're in there. You just don't know when they're going to feed, when they're going to move, you know, how they're going to bite. Um, and so you can you can break down a lakes that way. Um, but really, it's just one of those things that, if you if you don't plan on elk hunt, sometimes it just doesn't become a priority, and you, you know you you may not go. But if you plan on an event like you know, one of our tournaments, you know you make it an event. You spend a few days there prior to the tournament. You bring the family up. You spend some time on the water. You camp. Maybe you stay in a hotel. Um, it's just it's a camaraderie. We've got we generally have uh, anglers from about seven states. And we've had people that have attended our events as far as West Virginia. But typically, I mean, our, our majority of our anglers come from Wyoming, Colorado, Nebraska. We generally pull a few from Montana, South Dakota, Kansas. We've had them from Texas in the past, uh, Utah. So a lot of our surrounding states. Um, and it's just really, it's a good time. We did um, on our website, the WyomingWalleyStampede.com, a couple of years back, we did a, um, a drone video of the event, and we tried to spell out the whole process of what the check-in looks like, what the launch looks like, how we measure fish. Um, we do all on-the-water weigh-ins, and it is a length-to-weight conversion, so this is not a kill tournament. Um, we'll generally, at a Glendo event, measure in about 1,200 fish over two days. And generally, the angler mortality rate on those fish is anywhere from three to five fish per event. So it's a great way for people to get out, be competitive, in a very conservation-minded atmosphere. And uh, But that website with that drone video, uh, the video on there is kind of a good way to see how the whole process works. So someone that maybe thinks that it's, you know, I don't know what to do or how to check in or how to launch the boat in the morning, uh, that video actually, I think, you know, really spells it out pretty well for an angler. Well, and that's great to have. And the entry fee, if I'm not mistaken, is right at $400? Yeah, we actually charge, uh, it's a $420 okay. entry fee. We take $20 out of that entry fee and use that to seed our championship. So last year we put somewhere between five and $6,000 additional into our 50-team championship. The other $400 gets split down. We pay 20% of the field, so usually about 20 teams per event, and we pay 80% um, cash out of that out of that uh, $400 entry. However, then we do have um, lots of great sponsors, including some sponsors right there in uh, Colorado. Corrali Marine is one of our headline sponsors. They actually are sponsoring the headline sponsor for our second Blendo event, and with their added money. Um, and other uh, divisions, we usually are paying out anywhere between 90 to 93% cash payouts for our events. And, and it's hard to find a tournament circuit anywhere in the country that pays out, uh, you know, more than that. So I really commend you for the effort you put in to do that. And I know a lot of times if your uh, Glendo tournaments or any of them hit about 100 teams, first place is right around $10,000, isn't it? It is, yep. Um, we, um, in fact, we, we try to pay out 10000 as much as we can. Uh, last year, I think one of our Glendo events had 98 boats, and we still made it a $10,000 payout. Um, and then if we have more than 100 teams, then we just we pay, still pay down our 20% of the teams, but we try to thicken that, uh, that pot up. We, we kind of feel like 10000 is a pretty good number to walk away with. 
but we also like to see 10th place and down to 20th place, you know, getting entry fees back and maybe covering some of your expenses. So uh, one out of five anglers is going to cash a check, um, and that doesn't include some of the extra, not even side pots, but just some added money that we put in there. Um, no. We do head-to-head competitions on day one. We call them shootouts. And so we've got uh, different businesses that throw in $200. Uh, we, we promote them at the event, and then we randomly draw teams to compete against each other for day one. And then out of those five teams or four teams, uh, whoever has the most weight for that one day walks away with the $200. Well, that's... On top of that... On top of that, we also have added uh, added divisions. So we've got a um, family division. We offer a poor boy division, which um, we, if you're using a boat with less than 125 horsepower motor, you qualify for that one. We have a dinosaur division. So if you and your partner's age is over 100 years combined, you qualify for the dinosaur division. Uh, we did a young guns division this year as well. So if you have one angler on your team that's under 35 years old, you'll qualify for the Young Guns Division. And then we also pay out Top Placing Ranger, Top Placing One, sponsored by Crowley Marine. We've got $1,000 for Top Placing Skeeter Boat. We also are a Ranger Cup. So if you win it, when your Ranger Cup uh, qualified, you'll win $1,000. The Top Placing Ranger Boat, if it's not up the winner, will win $500. Uh, Triton, we're a Triton Gold. So if you win the tournament and you're in a Triton and you're signed up on their program, it's an additional $7,000. So we've got lots of great sponsors that are throwing lots of extra money into these events. And uh, it's just, it's a fantastic way to at least experience a tournament that's, that's close to home. Well, that is fantastic. I tell you what, Brian, because I know that you have a lot of knowledge on the Wyoming walleye scene. And we've got a lot of listeners in the Denver area and the North Front Range who maybe have never fished Wyoming. What is one good lake you might recommend, you know, kind of in the southern part of the state, not too far of a drive for our listeners? If they just want to go up and just have some fun fishing up there in Wyoming, what's one lake you would recommend and maybe a tip for that body of water? Well, if you're going to focus on walleyes, there's some some there's really three lakes that are about an hour to hour and fifteen to an hour and a half from Cheyenne area. Um, the first one probably coming up would be any of the Wheatland lakes, Wheatland Number Three, Gray Rocks. Um, those lakes are are awesome, really good uh, early spring uh, fishing out of those those lakes. However, I think Glendo's ultimately my favorite. Um, it has good quality and it has good quantity. This year, the two to three year class of fish is going to be extremely, it's going to be a record high for two and three year fish, which means that there's going to be a lot of 13 to 15 inch fish, which will probably be a little frustrating for some anglers because there is a 15 inch minimum there. But the beauty about that lake is it's very uh, diversified. You can fish shallow water and weeds if you'd like. Sometimes in the middle of June, there's a good tree bite where the water uh, gets back up into those trees, and so there's a good slip bar bite. Um, but if a guy wants to pull worm harnesses, pull crankbaits, pitch jigs, pitch minnows, I mean, really, there's the, the water is so diversified that just pick a style that you like, and you can find a spot where you can do it, and you'll catch fish. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my favorite lakes in Wyoming for sure, and I. 
people don't realize how close Glendo really is. One thing, if you are going to head up to Wyoming, make sure that you do uh, check in with what their boat rules are for taking a boat across the border, getting your stamp, and being inspected prior to going there. Um, so do check that out because sometimes they do have inspection stations at the um, port of entry that you need to stop at. Uh, but otherwise, it's a great opportunity nearby. Uh we're getting right on a break here, Brian. So if someone wants to get a whole, more information on the Wyoming Walleye Stampede, why don't you give us that website again? Sure. It's the wyomingwalleyestampede.com. Uh, if you use the contact information there, you'll get right to me. Um, email is walleyestampede at aol.com. And I'm going to give you my phone number, too, because I take calls on it all the time, and that's 307 all right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the tournaments up there and some walleye fishing, Brian. And hopefully we will uh, I will see you up there at a couple events this summer. Great. Look forward to seeing you, Brad. Thank you. All right. Thanks. That was Brian Woodward with the Wyoming Walleye Stampede. And I am Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom. Coming up, we have got Sean Dunlavey from St. Vrain State Park, who is going to talk about an upcoming event. You are listening to 104.3 The Fan. Welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I am Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this week. And on the phones, we have got uh, the park ranger from St. Vrain State Park, Sean Dunlavey. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. How is the uh, the weather and the conditions out there? When I was driving by the park this morning, I was shocked to see it still was about 37 degrees. Yeah, um, we're going to have some ice fishermen out today, and we did yesterday. We um, Our ice fishing season didn't go well for a while there. We really weren't getting a lot of ice and certainly not a lot of, uh, not enough to, to recommend ice fishing. So we had very few people in. This past week, we've actually had most of the ponds, we believe, between about three and a half and four inches of ice. Now, today, some of the ice fishermen who are out tell me they think they're on about three. So it is maybe thinning out a little bit, um, but it's going to be a pretty nice day out today, too, kind of warm for the season. So we are back in a little bit of ice again. Yeah, that's that's great that people have an opportunity to get out there and maybe get on a few fish. I did talk to someone who fished blue heron yesterday he felt like it was closer to two and a half okay. and yeah. wouldn't really recommend anyone heading out there today on that body of water. But um, if you're going to go out, make sure to get out early with this weather. But uh, you have a big event coming up March 21st, and it's an event that I've been a part of the last couple of years. You have your St. Vrain Fishing Day, and I know you want to tell people about that. So why don't you give them some information? Sure, absolutely. It is our, our third annual, and I know you were at the first two, so and you'll be here for the third. It's uh, going to be Saturday, March 21st, which is exactly four weeks from today. Um, hopefully we'll have good weather for it. Um, the first year, the weather was amazingly good, and last year the weather was not as good, but it was still fair, and we still had a good number of people out. It's going to be from 9 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon, and we've got some non-parks and wildlife partners who are going to be out. They're going to be doing some demonstrations, a little bit of lecture and talk. Um, 
talking about gear, but also how-to, and it's not limited to just one kind of fishing. You're going to learn about fly fishing, bait fishing, and lures. Um, so several different sponsors there, and we're actually going to have, hopefully this year, a little different participation from the parks and wildlife side because we're going to have some people out talking about the hatcheries and some hatchery information along with the others that we've had before, the aquatic nuisance species, boat safety, and then just some basics of fishing. Um, but it's not for somebody who's new to fishing only. It's for somebody who's brand new to fishing or never been, and it's for people who even have a fair amount of knowledge. Yeah, it's a fun event. Um, it seems to be really family-oriented, but it's not exclusively for families. And I know you have people there usually selling hot dogs. And one of the other things is uh, a couple of my sponsors I know are going to be giving items away, both Shields and I'll be bringing some BioBait product up there to give away to people who attend seminars and are walking around. So, and I'm sure there's other people that may be giving stuff away. So it's good to come and, and plan to spend a little time, maybe even bring your fishing rod and, uh, you know, do a little fishing right afterwards. Okay. You know, I have to admit, I don't know what just happened, but I'm having a hard time hearing you all of a sudden. You got really quiet. It could be my phone, but um, I did hear that you said hot dogs and pop would be sold, and that's true. We're going to have hot dogs again this year, and hopefully also somebody selling some uh, coffee, hot chocolate, and tea might be a good day for it. And you're right. We do have several of our sponsors and CPW who are going to be doing some giveaways, so we'll have some raffle-type items and also some free items that will just be given away at the different booths and tables. And that's a big part of it, too, is people want to come in and see if they can get some uh, some samples. Uh, you mentioned BioBait for sure, and there's going to be some others. Yeah, and if people aren't familiar with where St. Vrain State Park is, why don't you give them uh, quick directions on where you're located there and then also how to contact you to get more information on these upcoming events? Sure. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, which is maintained by one of the other rangers and our admin. And uh, so we've got a Facebook page to give you information. Also, you can call the park direct. Um, and then, of course, drop on by the park. And the park's at Highway 119 and I-25. So if you're driving um, to Longmont or if you're driving on I-25 and you see uh, the trailers there, that's our campground, but there's about 10 fishable ponds right there off the uh, northwest intersection there. Yeah, and you have to go about a mile back to the west to get to the park entrance. But I tell you what, for a place that has diverse and quality fishing opportunities that close to the urban environment, St. Vrain is a real gem. Is there anything else you'd like to cover real quick? We're kind of coming up towards the end of the segment. Oh, no problem at all. Just come on out and fish. Um, fishing should still be good at that time, too, really from, um, in my opinion, from late fall through mid-spring. We are really one of the best places in the whole state if you want stocked 10- to 12-inch trout. Um, people do well on those throughout those months, and right now uh, those who are ice fishing are doing pretty well for the trout. All right, Sean, well, I appreciate you calling in. And, again, that that event is coming up March 21st, uh, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., and we hope to see a lot of people out there. Absolutely. All right, well, that was Sean Dunlavy with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and we are going to head to a break. When we come back, we are going to talk with someone about careers in the outdoors working for Parks and Wildlife. 
You're listening to Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan. Welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this week. And what we've got coming up is a person from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, the manager at 11 Mile, Casey McClurg, who is going to be talking about finding careers in the great outdoors. And for anyone interested, Casey's going to be a wealth of knowledge. Good morning, Casey. Thanks for coming on. Good morning, Brad. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? You know, it's a little cold out here today, but it's not negative 30 like yesterday, so no complaints. So you're having a heat wave. We are. <laughs> that That's good to hear. And for the people who just heard from Sean that the ice conditions were marginal up there at uh, St. Vrain, I'm sure that uh, your ice conditions up there are quite a bit better. Uh, yeah, a little bit different than in the metro area. We are still building ice, as you can imagine. So we are getting close to that 28 to 30 inches on 11-mile reservoir right now. Oh, that is, uh, that's plenty of ice for me to feel comfortable. That <laughs> two and a half, three he was talking about gets me a little bit worried. Um, but I know you wanted to, you know, call and talk about springtime is the time that Parks and Wildlife does a lot of hiring particularly for summer temporary positions. And you've been getting a lot of calls about people who are, you know, wondering about how do you get started, uh, different positions, you know, what are the opportunities out there? So why don't you tell people about, um, you know, what's going on and some of the opportunities for them to get out and try some of this and what they might expect in a position with Colorado Parks and Wildlife? A sure thing. So uh, it is a really exciting time for us. This is when we bring a lot of our seasonal employees on. Um, everybody is always very interested in how they can become a full-time park ranger, and especially for college students who are about to graduate or recently graduating. Uh, it's a really good time for them to try to get into this job. It gives them an array of knowledge and experience and gives them a really hands-on approach before they enter into the long one year of ranger training that we all have to go through, and it's about a year-long application process. So they'll get a chance to come in and work a couple months before we open up our ranger and district wildlife manager uh, full-time applications. Uh, that's going to be around May to June. And then they'll be able to continue to build skills that will help them with getting on uh, throughout that entire hiring process over the course of the summer. Uh, some of the other positions that we get a lot of interest in are things like boat inspectors or people who are interested in helping to maintain the park or doing customers customer service representatives, uh, those are really good opportunities for those folks who, especially if you're a recent high school graduate and or you're working through college and you're not 21 yet, it's a good opportunity to get involved in Colorado Parks and Wildlife, understand some of the inner workings, because we're a huge agency that deals with so many partners, and deal, we deal with so many um, other agencies and types of user groups. So it really helps to set a solid foundation going forward. So when they are 21 and eligible to become either a seasonal or full-time ranger, uh, they already have that foot in the door. 
Yeah, and I know that, um, you know, I got a fishery biology degree from Colorado State University. And during my high school time, I did a lot of volunteering. Um, but I also, whether it was at Walleye Spawn or Kokanee Spawn up at Granby and the Walleye Spawn out at Chatfield and Marston, and then throughout my college career, I worked several of the seasonal positions. And it is really beneficial to establish some of those relationships and get a feel for what's going on because you may go into it thinking, man, I want to be a, a game warden, a DWM. And after spending some time volunteering or doing that, you may realize, you know what? I really enjoy be doing more of the biology side of stuff. And how if someone wants to volunteer, and volunteer opportunities are not just for young people, it's for all ages. But if someone were wanting to volunteer, how would they look at doing that? Uh, so that's a, a really great point. Uh, so there's a lot of ways you can volunteer throughout the entire state, no matter where you are, what your interest is in. Um, everything from helping to relocate uh, our raptors, so birds of prey, eagles, hawks, things like that, um, eventually helping with wildlife transport. Those are some really highly desirable volunteer opportunities. Uh, but some of the other things are, um, like here at 11 Mile, we're really excited to be launching a park ambassador volunteer program for people who enjoy coming out to the park and they want to get a varied experience and go out and talk to people about how to maybe have more success fishing or leave no trace principles where they can start to you know understand how to ethically utilize outdoors. So we have opportunities like that, everything from trail crews, uh, the works. So the best way to get involved is if you have a specific park that you're interested in, uh, or we also do this for state wildlife areas and regional offices, go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, and under the volunteer tab, there's going to be information on all of the opportunities throughout the state. You can contact that park directly, and a lot of uh, parks such as us, we also promote these on Facebook as well. Uh, for instance, and uh, trying to remember the exact date, March 21st, we're planning to have a volunteer open house, so anybody who's interested in coming out and learning how to volunteer, getting oriented to the park and the programs, we'll walk them through getting everything set up. Uh, and then we also have opportunities to just contact our statewide volunteer office and tell them, you know, maybe you're interested in being a camp host or one of these other opportunities, and they'll get your information down and connect you directly with the folks that are on the ground coordinating with these volunteers. Yeah, that that is wonderful information. And you said that you're willing to even help out high school or college-age kids who might want to learn more um, by contacting you and maybe do a ride-along or some stuff like that? Yeah, there's. Uh, we just got a new ride-along policy, so we have a lot more clarity going forward throughout the state. Uh, one thing I've, I'm very passionate about is connecting with people who are interested. Uh, so, for instance, I just had somebody contact me yesterday who is a high school recent graduate interested in pursuing things. So they are more than welcome to reach me at uh, 11 Miles State Park. Um, they can email me uh, anytime, but the best thing is just call us. It's 719-748-3401, uh, uh, and I'm at option 6. 
they can call me directly, and I'm happy to coordinate with another ranger or district wildlife manager. And then it's more than just a one-time, one-shot. You just ride, you get an idea. We'll talk about some of these volunteer opportunities. I'm happy to help coach anybody interested in picking the right classes going forward um, and helping them get a, a little bit more involved, and we'll do an entire mentorship-type uh, opportunity for these folks that are interested. Well, that, I tell you what, I was lucky enough to know several people who worked at Parks and Wildlife or back then the, the Division of Wildlife, um, and so I was able to be mentored and be given some guidance from those people and it really helps you understand what goes on, the day-to-day activities, and what your different options are. So I think if you have a kid who is interested in any sort of career in the outdoors, take advantage of some of these volunteer opportunities that Colorado Parks and Wildlife is providing for you. And um, get out there and learn Learn more about what all is entailed in a job with Parks and Wildlife. Now, before we let you go, we talked about ice conditions, but we need to get a quick fishing report. So how is the fishing up there? I know last week you were saying that there were some parking areas closed and people were confused about that, but that was just due to snow drifts. So give me a quick update on how the 11-mile state park is doing as far as stuff being open and the fishing report. I think I'm having the same problem. You got a little quiet, but as far as the fishing updates and some of the park conditions, uh, we did talk about the ice conditions. Uh, So we have really stable ice, uh, again, over about 30 inches at this point. Uh, We had a little bit of misinformation get out last week. There are campgrounds in certain day-use areas of 11 Mile that's close to public use because of snow drifts. But the park itself is open. Everything on the north side of the park is open and accessible. Uh, It's just going to be part of the south side of the reservoir. Uh, They're going to have some very large snow drifts. So we don't even advise if you have four-wheel drive um, and a high-clearance vehicle to go through those areas as you'll end up having to call a tow. And uh, we spent a lot of time trying to get people out of these drifts. As far as some of the uh, fishing conditions, we just stocked, uh, I think it was over 100,000 cutbo. So that was stocked over at our Marina North Shore boat area. So it's a really great time just uh, catch and release if you're interested in just having fun uh, over on the north side of the park. Um, starting to see a lot of the trout get active in about 15 to 20 feet of water uh, for fishing close to the bottom, about 15 inches up. They're doing really well on pink and green uh, tube jigs. Uh, if you tip that with a little bit of garlic power bait, that seems to be helping out. Uh, Millworms are um, a lot more popular with them right now than the waxworms. I uh, haven't gotten any uh, really good reports about pikes uh, coming out at the time. Uh, nothing really with the water dog, so I'd say unless you have some inside information that I don't, I wouldn't spend the money on a water dog right now. Give it a couple more weeks before those pikes start to get active. And then, of course, your standard uh, cast masters, blue over silver, uh, those seem to be working really well. And as far as kokanee, our uh, purple Swedish pimples uh, fishing out closer to Coyote Ridge area 
uh, they're having a little bit more success with some of the two-year-old Cokes. All right. Well, that is fantastic information. Hopefully a few people uh, are headed that way or maybe decide to head up there tomorrow and catch a few extra fish from that. Casey, we're coming up against a break, but I want to thank you again for coming on and telling people about uh, the great career opportunities in the outdoors that Colorado Parks and Wildlife offers. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brad, and I hope to be able to help some folks out here soon. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. You too. And this is Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan. We'll be back in just a second with Matt Inslee from Tightline Outdoors. Welcome back to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this week. And for those of you just tuning in, um, we are on a little different schedule. It's an 8 to 10 show. So you are getting the last segment here. We have moved the Tightline Outdoors guys up just a little bit. And we have Matt Ensley here to talk a little bit about uh, some late ice fishing bites and maybe some open water coming soon. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Brad. How are you today? I'm doing fairly well. How about yourself? Excellent. So I know that Nate and a bunch of the crew are up on Grand Lake right now with their big ice fishing contest. So we're lucky enough to get to speak to you. What's been going on out there on the ice fishing bites? Well, uh, we had a pretty good February as far as ice conditions. Things began to loosen up uh, early February, but the colder temperatures that we've experienced and storms that have rolled through have uh, locked up some of our front range lakes. And the two hot ones are uh, Chatfield for walleye and uh, Aurora for giant perch. That lake has produced for the last couple of years some monster perch, 12, 13, 14-inch style uh, perch and numbers of them as well as big walleye. The bigger walleye are coming out of the river. So you got both of those two lakes going. Uh, ice conditions at like Cherry Creek and some of the lakes north of town are very sketchy. Be very careful. The, the, the ice had opened up there in that warmer spell we had uh, in January, and uh, that ice is, is very, uh, very scary. So just be careful if you're going to venture out on those lakes. Yeah, I've been seeing that up at Boyd that uh, definitely the ice has been real, you know, there's a couple small areas that are safe, but most of it um, is is way too thin for me to even think about it, and I wouldn't recommend anyone going out. I know Chatfield's been holding, you know, probably the best ice around. I've heard at least eight inches. How much ice has there been out on Aurora? It, about the same, six to eight inches again, they're pumping water into a roar. There's a, a giant pipe that comes in uh, around the mouth of Sunak uh, and Lone Tree, those creeks. And that uh, warmer water coming in there has thawed that area. But So definitely be careful over there. But the rest of the lake has anywhere from six to eight inches of ice uh, unless you go all the way out to the main basin and then you can run into some thinner ice. So just be careful. But they're producing lots of fish out there. Uh, your t- uh, typical jigging patterns uh, for the, the walleye are working, small flutter spoons, jigging ramps, blade baits, all of those type techniques are catching some nice walleye during the early morning, late evening, uh, low light periods. And if you're going for the perch, you know, small spoons, little uh, tiny ice jigs tipped with uh, a, uh, a, a wax worm, not a mealworm, a wax worm, or 
one of my favorite beets is uh, raw shrimp. Uh, perch just won't leave it alone. So uh, that those are some of the techniques uh, that they're catching the perch on. Uh, same at uh, Chatfield, if you're going out there, your typical jigging uh, patterns, uh, flutter spoons, uh, jigging wraps, blade baits are all working quite well. Uh, typically out from the old swim beach area, the swim beach is gone, but the area, if, you, if your uh, listeners are familiar with Chatfield, that the swim beach used to be in, straight out in and around those uh, gravel pits and near the uh, Platte River itself drop-off have been producing numbers of walleye. Well, that's that's good information for those people that are still wanting to get out and chase some fish through the ice. But you also wanted to talk about some first open water bites, and I have a feeling in the next week or so we're going to start seeing some of these ponds open up and stay open. So what can you tell people about that? Well, the very first lake, and it's already opened up, is uh, Pueblo Reservoir. Um, access down there is limited right now because the high water level is way up uh, from the moisture and the runoff uh, from the mountains. So uh, be careful with that. Make sure you call down and make sure your boat ramps are open. But there is open water at Pueblo right now. And uh, the first bites, I mean, everything when when the lake's first open tend to turn on, but obviously it has an excellent walleye population and smallmouth and, and uh, a, a smaller largemouth. And another species a lot of people don't even target or even realize they've caught one, and that's spotted bass. It has an excellent spotted bass population, and some of those spotted bass are two and three pounds. And I tell so you what, would... catching a spotted bass is a lot of fun. It's, it's like a largemouth on steroids. They have got an attitude. They do. They actually pull harder and fight harder than a smallmouth. It's hard to believe, but they do, uh, particularly those two- and three-pounders. They just do not give up on the fight. Yeah, so we have a couple minutes left here. Mm-hmm. If you were talking about one of those early bites, maybe coming closer to the metro area, you know, one of those spots you like to hit first ice off, where would that be? Probably Cherry Creek. It's a smaller uh, body of water on the Front Range. Cherry Creek has, uh, like I said, spotty ice right now. It's going to open up first. First day we get around 60 degrees and some wind with it, that ice will be gone. And then it'll just be a matter of uh, checking with the Division of Wildlife and when they're going to open the boat ramps. But you can get out there and fish along that dam even before that and uh, throw jerk baits. And those female and male walleye are staging at the base of those rocks at the dam. So that would be a technique I would recommend. Yeah, and one thing to remind everyone, if you are going to go out on a boat at Cherry Creek early in the year, it is only that east boat ramp that's open. Sometimes they open the west one in the on the weekends, but you are going to be launching on the east side. Um, you need to think about that because if you're uh, if you come in on the west side and you need to drive all the way around, that can take quite a bit of time. Um, any other quick tips you want to give anyone um, on early season fishing or how you like to fish those jerk baits? You mentioned jerk baits. What's what's a tip on how you actually are going to fish that uh, for those early walleyes? So if I'm fishing from the dam, you're obviously fishing those baits shallow, um, and you're looking for those pre-spawn uh, walleyes that are staging there. And low light periods, early in the morning, late at night, or your, your time periods, or even at night uh, at Cherry Creek to catch those big females. 
And uh, there's two techniques. I like to throw it out and sometimes just a steady, slow retrieve. So the bait's typically not going to be any deeper than the maximum 10 feet um, as you bring it back in. The bites will come typically just as you get ready to pull the bait out of the water. So don't give up on the retrieve. The other technique is cast it out, jerk it down to depth to get it down as deep as the bait will run as far out from the bank, and then a jerk, 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 pause, alternating between two jerks and three jerks, and pausing the bait. Keep a semi-slack line so that when you feel the hit, it's amazing how hard a walleye, as finicky as they can be on live bait techniques, on a jerk bait, they slam it harder than a bass or some other species that you might be targeting like a pike or a muskie. They just clobber it, and there's no doubt that you just got it. Yeah, yes, they do. Well, we're coming up to the end of the hour here. Matt, if they want to look at booking a trip with you or the guys with Tightline, how do they reach you? Sure. You can go to our uh, website, Tightline Outdoors, or you can call us at 720-775-7770. All right, Matt, I appreciate you calling in and giving some great fishing information for all the listeners. Take care, Brad. Thanks. So we have come to the end of the show. I am Brad Peterson. I want to thank Terry Wickstrom for allowing me to fill in. If you'd like to reach me, reach me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook. Hope everyone has a great weekend.